Hey there, this is Jason and Paul, and we encourage you to follow us on Instagram at stateofloveandtrust underscore pod, where we can continue the conversation with you. Thanks for listening. And now, let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, back to another episode of The State of Love and Trust, a Pearl Jam podcast. I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi, and alongside me, as always, is Paul Gilliary. Paul, here we are. We have entered February, and it is still somewhat chilly in Southern California. It is. And uh, you and I are not curled up on the street during these chilly evenings. We are not. Sure. You know what? You are... You, you call me the master of Segway? You are the master of Segway, my friend. Yeah. You teed me up much like a Swing small, away. small little piece of wood that one sticks in the ground and puts a dimpled <laughs> ball on top of. Uh, so if you couldn't tell, we're going to talk about something this week that uh, is kind of in the Pearl Jam news. They did another live stream. No, not live stream. They did another video on demand, another show on demand on nugs.tv. I bet many of you have watched it. Um, some were there. Everybody else got to experience what that was like uh, over the weekend. Maybe it's still available as you're watching this, because I think it's through Tuesday through today. And the two shows back in 2018, August 2018, back in Seattle, were all about uh, kind of fighting homelessness in the area. And Worthy cause. that got us thinking. Absolutely. Got us thinking. You know, and you know, we don't want to just like recap the show because anybody could just go watch the show. Um, that, that isn't what we're here to do. What we are here to do is remind you to get on your app of choice and make sure you subscribe if you haven't already and uh, review, rate if you can. That'd be beautiful. Get on the old socials. Uh, we've had some really good chatter in the last uh, couple of weeks on Instagram and, and Facebook alike. So come follow us there. Join in the conversation. Let's uh, get some good nuanced, you know, non-social media kinds of conversation on social media. How about we do that? I like um, it. And it's, I think this conversation is actually going to warrant a lot of chatter because it's very interesting to us. And it's a, it's kind of an outside-the-box chat, would you say? I would say so. Not the usual fair? In a good way. From no. a uh, Pearl Jam podcast? No, but let's get enlightened, Jason. Shall we? Um, so homelessness was the big, was the big theme. Um, two and a half years ago. And uh, they did raise $11 million to combat that in the greater Seattle area. Huge, obviously. Uh, so much so that Stone was on the cover of Real Change newspaper, uh, which came at the end of a kind of a funny story from Ed about the first time he was in Rolling Stone magazine and he showed his like bodega cashier guy. And the guy was like, okay, great. <laughs> He's like, this is a, my first lesson in humility. And, um, the thing that, that that kind of brought this all together and the reason why they were able to raise so much money in part was because, as they have done many times before, they take a percentage or a small little fee on ticket sales and attribute that to the Vitalogy Foundation. And then the Vitalogy Foundation then uh, bequeaths that money to some lovely organization. I, can, I, I remember going to shows here in, in California, be it San Diego or Los Angeles, uh, a lot of them have been... Um, Helping Surfriders Foundation, which is a uh, California, um, you know, beach and water initiative, save the uh, save that area so that people mm-hmm. can enjoy the water, like surfers and surfriders. Yeah. So we figured, you know what? Let's kind of dive into Vitalogy. They just rebranded, fancy new logo, but they did. The looks good. Is, which is, yeah, looks great. The big thing is, is that you know they are helping people and issues around the country, if not the world. So what is the Vitality Foundation, if you didn't already know? Well, it's a 501c3 organization, and it's founded. it was founded to translate the ethos of the band's music into tangible, positive impacts. And to maximize its effect, Vitalogy uh, works both as an advocate and a donor. And Vitalogy elevates the voices of the overlooked groups and seeks opportunities to support 
uh, approaches that value people's minds, bodies, and souls. This is kind of what their you know mission statement is on the website. And in the band's collective work, the foundation has focused on three main areas, three main pillars, if you will. Those are, and not surprisingly, environment, mm-hmm. homelessness, and indigenous people. That's right. As we mentioned, Paul, of course, these two shows raised $11 million for that second pillar, homelessness. Uh, that's a huge help, I'm sure, in that region. Always more to do, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But we figured it might be might be fun to dive into the band's catalog and try to figure out if there are <clears throat> songs either directly or more abstractly that kind of speak to how they um, try to help within these pillars, these, these, these channels. So let's start with the environment. Okay. Okay. I will, I will tee you up. We're basically going to try and think of a few songs here that kind of speak to this and explain why, and we'll chat as it is. So Paul, lead us off. Uh, what do you, what do you think about environment when it comes to Pearl Jam song? Well, I mean, the, the obvious one is retrograde. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it's, it's probably the most poignant commentary on climate control and uh, global warming and just in the environment in general that, uh, that we've ever seen Pearl Jam do. Specifically, when you, when you pair it with the visual that uh, they put together, where it just kind of shows the, the evolution of climate, as it were, and, and the disrepair they were <laughs> leaving the earth and um, with our inhabitants. So that song for me, I think stands out head and shoulders above the rest, but just to throw two more out there, yeah. quick escape, I think obviously would be another mm. one. It's kind of got a, a bit of a science fiction vibe to it. I think N- no surprise by the way that, that you've picked two songs from gigaton right out of the gates. Because exactly. Kind of the general, right. I mean, that was the theme in a lot yeah. of ways. Um, or the mo- gigaton, mo- by the mo- way, motif is. Know what gigaton is. It's how we measure the loss of ice. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's nuts, man. It, it, it's so troubling. Um, I read this this article years ago about these guys that are these scientists, men and women actually, that are that are living up there monitoring all this, and just they're looking at these things that are that are ancient. They've been around for I don't know a millennia or something like that, and it's just melting in the span of 10, 15, 20 years, and they're just watching it erode, and uh, it's crazy because the amount of depression that mm. these people suffer and and just the, the loss of hope <laughs> when you're just up there and you're thinking, okay, I can't do anything about it other than report back, but nothing's being done to address this. So I'm hoping with uh, new accords and new commitment to environmental change <laughs> with uh, the current administration in place that, that maybe we can start to be more proactive about that. But the, the third song that I would say perhaps speaks to this a little bit is infallible mm. off of lightning bolt. So those are the three that, that really stood out to me in terms of, of trying to tackle uh, the environment and uh, the, the need to progressively try to save it. Uh, you have ticked two of the, I think four songs that I had picked, pegged out for this. Obviously nice. retrograde. That's an easy choice for sure. That's, that's the most obvious in the catalog. I think anybody would have been like, oh, yeah, retrograde for sure. Especially with the way the whole thing crescendos. And oh, by the way, I don't know if anybody noticed uh, watching back night two from Seattle, but the way the immortality finishes really reminded me of the ending of retrograde. It was just like this massiveness and just all over the place and Matt's going nuts and there's swells and there's layers so go back and watch that if you can, because it was lovely. Yeah. Um, you mentioned infallible. I mean, can I, I'm going to read a couple of lines here. Pay disasters, no mind. Didn't get you this time. No prince left at the crime. Our ships come in and it's sinking of everything that's possible in the hearts and minds of man. Somehow it is the biggest things that keep on slipping right through our hands by thinking we're infallible. Oh, we are tempting fate instead. At time, we best begin here at the end. 
So I don't think it was written about um, climate change or the environment in general. Probably a different, uh, you know, uh, depressing topic. But, but it speaks to it's this. right on the money. And that's the other thing, you know, we found, or at least I found going through the catalog and going through these three pillars is there are songs that don't necessarily jump out as obvious or direct message for that kind of thing, but you can almost like, you know, spin it around. Right. Um, you know, there are things that are kind of sit in between. So a song like do the evolution, you know, obviously this has more to do with humanity and, and how we, you know, mostly Western white men uh, <laughs> rape everything for our own greed and pride, including the planet. And, you know, the whole line of 2010, watch it go to fire, you know, the, the environment's collateral damage. You know, so there, there is a bit of that in, in do the evolution. Right. But, but then I kind of was going through and I think a lot of these things um, are addressed more later in, in their catalog, but there's a song on the second record that kind of went, huh? Indifference. Now, yeah, I, I see. I see the tie. Listen to this. So, I'll keep taking punches until the will, will grows tired. Oh, and I will stare the sun down until my eyes go blind. Hey, I won't change direction, and I won't change my mind. How much difference does it make? I'll swallow poison until I grow immune. I will scream my lungs out till it fills this room. How much difference does it make? Imagine those lines being sun from the point of view of earth. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Isn't that wild? Yeah, man. Obviously. I mean, right. That, 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 I mean, the, the background of the song, I think is more rooted in, in, you know, wanting to do whatever it takes to kind of reach somebody in need. That being said though, the earth, uh, you know, we talk about indigenous peoples, the earth always viewed, I'm sorry, indigenous peoples always viewed, at least on, on our continent, the earth as, as, as a mother, as a living thing that should be cared for and respected. And so for it to have a voice in the form of song makes perfect sense there. I like, I like that, uh, that reinterpretation, Jason. And that's the thing. I, I think some of these songs, um, they don't jump out uh, in such an obvious way, but if you kind of spin it around, it's like, Holy yeah, shit. It's, it's all about application. Yeah. Yeah. So I think those are some good songs to play and listen to while thinking about the environment, have a go, listen back to some of these. I mean, like I said, retrograde, super obvious, but you know, listen to infallible, listen to indifference with that, with this in mind, and it'll kind of add another lovely layer or facet to the song. I think. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to another fairly, uh, well, there's a song here that's very, very obvious. Um, and that's the reason why they had the Seattle shows in the first place. That's homelessness. Well, let's let, let, let's finish with that one. Let's let's talk indigenous causes first. Okay, we'll, we'll jump but, we'll we'll jump around indigenous people. Let's go there next. So, there were only two tracks for me that seemed to kind of tie me into this. Uh, the first one, obviously, is "Do the Evolution." I mean, mm -hmm. you, you 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 hear that lyrically, um, and it's just the the oppression, the appropriation, the assimilation of an entire culture of people in a way that has utter disregard for just thousands of years of legacy and history and culture. Um, definitely something that I think we, we continue to try and, you know, pay reparations for and, and should continue to pay reparations for, for the foreseeable future. Uh, you know, I, I think about Mount Rushmore and um, I think about some of the demonstrations that we saw there recently in that area up in the Dakotas as well. And it's just the fact that this is still something that is not given the credence that it deserves and the attention that it deserves remains troubling. But I think that do the evolution is kind of a, it's not satirical, but it's very cynical in the way that mm -hmm. it approaches this. And, and I think it, it, if you can cut through the lyrics and really, really gather what's being said here, it's very uh, poignant. Uh, Yellow Moon off Lightning Bolt. I, I was can't, thinking about that. Yeah. yeah, I can't help but listen to that song and think about the loss of life. I mean, you you think about if if you go back, obviously, right. well over a hundred years to uh, blankets being distributed with smallpox to uh, you know President Jackson marching 
a group of Cherokee across uh, the country and relocating them far away from their ancestral homeland uh, in the middle of winter, in some cases with no shoes. I mean, it's just horrific, right? Inhumane. And just the, the, the death left behind. And, and there's something about Yellow Moon and, and just the travesty of it all and, and the tragic nature of it. That song sometimes, if, if you're in that mind frame or if you're reading about that or thinking about that, give Yellow Moon a whirl. And I, I think it really brings you to that place in a different way. Obviously not suggesting the song was written with that in mind, yeah. but much like uh, your point about indifference, I think you could, sim- you could very easily and simply apply some of those principles from that song to this discussion and, and they become magically relevant. <laughs> yeah, the indigenous people one I thought would be difficult. And at first I was like, I just don't know what, how I could really apply some of these lyrics. But then I started picking up steam. And I, could, and I found, again, like the the 4D chess, like, oh, shit, like, you know, the beautiful mind thing. Oh, this could fit over here. <laughs> you know? How about whipping? Don't need a helmet. Got a hard, hard head. Don't need a raincoat. I'm already wet. Don't need a bandage. There's too much blood. After a while, it seems to roll right off. Whipping. They're whipping. I mean, it feels like it's in the vein of evolution where it's just kind of cynical and just nasty and like the, all the, the negative parts of, of us on the people who were here first originally. Right. Um, I think of a song like um, education. I'm questioning my education is my education who I am now while you're deciding I've been finding looking around in the here and now. So this song this can be applied to many things, but the idea that we've been taught that what we've been taught isn't really everything is massive. You know, when we talk about indigenous people specifically, you know, whitewashing history is oh, ubiquitous across through textbooks, everything that, that you give children. I mean, by the way, if you guys are outside of this country and we have a lot of listeners from Australia and Europe, South America, thank you, by the way. Um, we have an issue here where, and it's probably the same in a lot of countries, but we have a big state called Texas. And um, as their board of education goes, so do many, 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 many other boards of education across the country because they can purchase textbooks in such big supply that it forces other schools to adopt that curriculum. You are a teacher. I believe you're in a private school, correct? So it's, it's not, you're not privy to that necessarily, but well, I, I, I've taught history and, and I've actually had the opportunity to work with various different curriculums and you're right. right. Fantastic. There are various textual sources that it, it's very clear that this is not an mm-hmm. accurate representation of what happened. And it, it's, it's basically teaching children history through a very narrow lens that is, is not um, true to form and it ultimately alters the way that that many of the citizens in this country grow up viewing what what has actually transpired in their cultural and national history and it's unfortunate that we have to kind of unlearn some of those different types of things and so there's there's a big push to be more faithful to the uh the reality that that creating america was a very bloody affair and uh, it, there's the, <laughs> there are a lot of stains that don't wash off. And ignoring that and pretending that it didn't happen is a shameful disservice to those who were victimized in the pursuit of Manifest Destiny. And so that's something that really has to be addressed. And oh, by the way, gang, uh, we're not going to sit here and just badmouth America, our country, because this happens America. literally everywhere. It does, um, yeah. John Leguizamo had a... Netflix special a couple of years back where he literally just talks about the Caribbean and Central America and South America and how those places were just eradicated of indigenous people, eradicated Europeans coming in. So it ain't just here. Right. But the idea of, you know, whitewashing and marginalizing um, people in this country, you know, having their history rewritten 
by the winners, as William Barr would say. <laughs> so that is a disservice. You know, in education, it, it just education, education, you know, the more that you know, obviously. Mm-hmm. I think of a song like Man of the Hour. Nature has its own religion, gospel from the land, father ruled by long division, young men, they pretend, old men comprehend. And I don't use this song as a way to say that indigenous people are on the doorstep of extinction or something like that. No. To be that, you know, gross or crass, but simply that comparatively, they are the old men of their land and colonizers are the young men who pretend to know better. Mm-hmm. So that song kind of just hit me, even though it's about, you know, someone's father passing on. Think of it with this lens for a minute. Sure. Think about a song like Can't Keep. I want to rise and say goodnight. I want to take a look on the other side. I have lived all this life. It's been wonderful at night. I will live forever. You can't keep me here. And again, not directly about indigenous people, but I feel like this speaks a bit to their belief, as you mentioned before, with Mother Earth being one with nature. Life is a circle, and they, to my knowledge, are comfortable being a part of that. Right. You can't you can't just keep them down. You can't keep them here. They're going to exist forever. And that, maybe, that's, maybe that's the positive way of looking at this. You know. Um, again, maybe more cynically, look at Rival. Yeah. How's our mother to damn these contributors with mud? How will the man who made chemicals difficult shed blood? How's our father supposed to be told? You know, the people who were battered, murdered, denigrated, um, you know, ignore the, the indigenous, call them savages, etc. There's little recourse for these people, little attention or consequences paid. And it's super unfair to say the least. Yeah. So my point is, is that I originally came into this pillar thinking, Geez, I don't know what I can really say here. I mean, evolution. That's well, because we're, we're looking at the surface. You know, we're, we're looking for lyrically what's on the nose. Yeah. And, uh, and what you just did is say, hey, let's, let's reappropriate. Let's, let's apply these lyrics from a different vantage point. And they can just as easily speak to these causes in ways that lift them. Um, and, and so I think it's a wonderful way, you know, I could very easily see Pearl Jam playing a benefit to raise money for indigenous peoples and, you know, look at Tibet, the free Tibet show. Exactly. 38 years now, Ed's doing a virtual one this year. Exactly. And so, you know, but even just taking certain tracks and just playing them without having to explain lyrically what they represent to him and just seeing okay i could see how this song really fits here and and how it speaks to the greater theme of of the evening or the day and so uh, it's a fun exercise i enjoyed doing this well we got to the the last one here which um makes sense actually i should have organized these better when i was planning this well that's what i'm here for you are here to help me out (laughs) we get to homelessness there's a really obvious choice i'll let you kind of tee it up here and then we have i have a few more that i want to get get to but Please sure. uh, hit the nail on the head, please. So even flow without question is the anthem of homelessness in the Pearl Jam catalog. And uh, for good reason, um, if you look at the Vitology Foundation's commitment towards addressing homelessness, uh, they want to try and find a solution that is solved or I'm sorry, they they view it as an issue that can be solved through, and I'm quoting them here, working together and Uh, creating deepened civic engagement, okay? So you look at some of the songs that Pearl Jam has done, uh, and the three that stand out the most to me are Even Flow, uh, the Victoria Williams cover, Crazy Mary, Mm -hmm. and Unemployable. So those three for me really stood out. And what I like about those songs is they do deepen discussion in a way that can lead to meaningful civic engagement. Engagement is key. I say engagement is key because, um, you know, you and I, we live in what I would say is a a pretty nice area. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously we're not rolling around on Rodeo Drive, Beverly Hills and nothing like that, but I mean, I mean, I am, but it's on like a shopping cart. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So (laughs) what I've noticed though, is that, you know, I, I specifically bought into a neighborhood because it had a, it had a good school district and I wanted to raise my kids in an area where uh, we could take a walk at night and I didn't have to fret. I didn't have to be concerned. 
Right. Um, you know, there's areas I've lived in here in LA that were, were, were awesome when you're 29, you know what I mean? I, I recall some of them. <laughs> yes, indeed. But, <laughs> but uh, that's not where I want to raise my children, you know? And so what I've noticed though, is that there is a, a homeless, um, what's the best word to describe this? An influx, I guess, of, of very poor and unfortunate folks who are, are down on their luck perhaps or, or not. And I'll get to this in a second who are essentially finding residence underneath any and every overpass that they can. And there's just tents in front of everywhere, corners, driveways, you know, sides of stores to the point where it's inescapable. And um, I just feel like, and, and, you know, you just can't throw money at this. That's not the solution. It's, let's just throw money at it. You know, let's just keep raising money and throw them. It needs deepened civic engagement. It needs people working together. You know what I mean? So that's something I think that, that we're going to talk about a little bit more, a little bit later on in the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll personalize that even more. But for me, those three tracks, Crazy Mary, Evenflow, and Unemployable, allow you as a listener to inhabit the mind and see through the eyes and walk a day in the shoes of somebody who is experiencing that, at least, uh, you know, from, from the uh, kind of, I want to say outside looking into a certain extent, but you get that engagement with people who are, you know, it's forcing empathy. It's forcing empathy. Exactly. So a couple more of the songs that I want to get to about uh, homelessness that in, in the same way that crazy Mary and more like an employable kind of, walk around the issue of find another back door to it mm-hmm. green disease interesting and like weeds with big leaves stealing right light from what's beneath where they have more still they take more yeah no white or black just gray can you feel this world with your heart and not your brain so how do people get or how do some people get homeless wealth and equality that's what that song's about exactly that's That's the process you know people don't just appear out of thin air uh homeless shit has to get them there um some of it it's their fault some of it's society's fault where that balance is you know everyone person has their own story right but i can't help but think that songs like green disease speak to a a big reason for that um, if you were to go to countries that don't have giant wealth uh, inequality uh, gaps, um, maybe in some Northern European countries, for example, I'm willing to bet there are probably very few homeless by comparison. Another song that made me think about this in a different way was Drifting. The suit coats say there's money to be made. They get so excited, nothing gets in their way. My road, it may be lonely just because it's not paved. It's good for drifting, drifting away. I mean, again, not maybe written about homelessness, probably not. But if you think about it in this vein, there's another layer on top of that song. Not play that often. It's a fun preset song back in the early 2000s. But listen again. Another song. You know what? Maybe how about hold on? Simply just think about that. that title hold on yeah there you go how about a song like speed of sound which uh i believe we talked about uh in a episode got it a couple months ago and guy at a bar right guy at a bar right think about it from the homeless perspective and yet i'm still holding tight to this dream of distant light in that somehow i'll survive but this night has been a long one waiting on a sun that just don't come so probably more about depression and loneliness talking about the guy at the bar. Um, but is that not something the homeless would feel? It's certainly applicable in a secondary way. And, you know, I just think about, you know, these people as I drive past them, you know, going somewhere and you just see tents lined up, but you've got to think I'm depressed for them. And you got to think there's some level of just like, fuck amongst so many of these people. So, those are some other songs that kind of reached me in that, in that realm thinking about homelessness. There's probably more if I had looked for longer, but those ones came to mind. So we've got the three pillars here. Mm-hmm. We've got a number of songs that kind of speak to them directly or indirectly. 
And I, I hope that you guys go back and listen to these songs um, through these lenses, maybe once or twice, and just kind of get a new appreciation for them. And I'm sure you guys have songs that you're yelling into your phone <laughs> saying, hey, what about this one? Let me know. Let us know. Because um, I'm sure we're forgetting something that's really obvious or just super um, creatively meant to be a part of one of these pillars. But how about this? The band does so much. But what if there was a fourth pillar? What would you want it to be? Because obviously helping indigenous people, working on homelessness, fixing this damn planet. Those are obviously pretty mighty goals. And there's, but there's plenty more to fix, right? Uh, Oh, without question. Um, Where would you go? Let me ask you, what what kind of, what would be your fourth pillar? And what's a song or two that might, that might speak to that? I think the fourth pillar would be the one that has really been exposed through COVID as something that we have not dedicated enough attention to. And that's mental health. Mm. Um, you look at songs like why go, uh, I mean, Jeremy, obviously, which addressed bullying, depression, suicide, and gun violence all in one song. <laughs> and I don't think we've learned our lesson on any of those issues yet. Uh, garden in many ways, father, son, uh, you know, pendulum. If you want to look at, yeah, look at it that way, daughter footsteps, the mama son trilogy, Good the, afore- the aforementioned hold on. Um, I mean, uh, this is going to sound insensitive. I don't mean it to, but crazy Mary, um, severed hand. I think I am mm. mine, obviously Lucan. I mean, the, the, the list goes on. There are so many songs on the Pearl jam catalog that seem to touch on, uh, mental health issues, particularly as, as it relates to the suffering of mental health issues within young people. Um, because that's really where you, you, it's so much harder to find somebody in their forties or fifties. By that point, you're it's, it's Foxy, Mop Handle, Mama. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, that's where we're at there. You know, and in some cases. And so, uh, now uh, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that you know it's it's too late. I mean, it's never too late to say, hey, I want to get well. So I'm not suggesting that uh, it's past the point. But I do think that that there's already songs that are directly touching on mental health in the Pearl Jam catalog. And it's a worthy cause. It's something that has been exacerbated through COVID. So I would love to see, you know, Vitology Foundation actually adopt that as its, as its fourth pillar, as it were. And uh, I think that that would be something that everybody around the world, let alone here in this country, would benefit greatly from. Uh, you once told me recently the numbers on uh, young people depression and suicide. Recently. Yeah. I'd have, to, that. I'd have to dig those up, but I mean, there's been almost a, I don't want to call it tunnel vision, but it feels like it sometimes where it's just COVID, COVID, COVID and risk and, and any conversation that distracts from the risk of COVID is, is considered uh, insensitive. Or not as far in, as far in as uh, physical health and, and deaths, of people yeah, are- exactly. And it's like, well, you know, the, <laughs> there are people who are suffering right now as a, as a byproduct of quarantining and lockdown and all these various massively extreme measures that we've implemented to try and get a handle on this. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to deal with that. You know what I mean? Like that has to be, and step one is acknowledging that it's happening. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I think that it's a shame that the folks in this country that are usually the ones who would stand up. They'd be the first in line to stand up to tackle social justice or injustice, pardon me, and issues. Many of those are the same folks who want to hush this stuff because COVID it's like, okay, yeah, we get it. But I mean, <laughs> what about all, all of these other it's things? It's a multifaceted problem. It's a and multifaceted problem. To, to ignore problem, that man. is irresponsible well, it's, I'd it's say. irresponsible yeah and and it's uh it, it's unfortunate because there are a lot of young people children even that are suffering because of this suicide rates are up and and mental health is is becoming an epidemic quite frankly in this country that's leading to gun violence more often than not well i i asked you that question because it leads me to my to my uh would-be fourth pillar and um i sent you today um an article from the new york times I think it was the second time in a couple of weeks that the CDC was like, we need to get kids back in these schools. 
we, we do. We, we have measures that we can do to get everybody in a safe way back into the school, yeah, not just to get that. parents back to work so they don't have to be babysitters essentially, but, but to actually get these kids in a, in a situation where they are learning properly, both, both the textbook and the social skills that they need at that, at that time. And that is my pillar teaching and education. I thought about that one. I know you did. And I, and I chose it in yeah. part because that would be too obvious for me <laughs> because you are the teacher. I, yeah, I chose exactly. it in part because of you. And you know, it's super, super important. Um, just in a very narrowly focused way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the fact that the fact that teachers weren't like level two after people who are in their deathbeds of getting inoculations is crazy to me. That's not crazy, but it, it, it should be there. We should be knocking teachers out right now and getting them sorted so we can get the kids back. But anyways, right. Um, night one of the home shows, Ed brings out first, first encore. Ed brings out his two daughters, Harper and Olivia with their favorite teachers and they danced with them as ed played the white stripes is we're going to be friends mm-hmm. lovely moment but it was kind of his little way of tipping a cap to teachers and saying please acknowledge love appreciate your teachers and 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 the idea of learning something and enjoying learning something well teaching and education seems to be at the root of a ton of these things the smarter we can get all of our, all of our kids, <laughs> well, you know, the more well-read, the more, you know, anyways, here's a song. I'm open. Oh, no code. When he was six, he believed that the moon over overhead followed him by nine. He had deciphered the illusion trading magic for fact, no tradebacks. So this is what it's like to be an adult. If he only knew now what he knew, then I'm open. We need to encourage I'm sorry. We need to um, acknowledge and celebrate inquisitiveness. Mm-hmm. I think, and I believe that youth craves knowledge and we need to feed them that food for thought. And, you know, kids today are very open to learning Gen Z, especially I work on a show right now and it's all the, the audience is Gen Z and uh, we need to figure out, well, how do we approach teaching them something? And it turns out they want to learn. They want to know stuff. Yep. And, and hell that's that you're teaching kids that are, who are, just at the bottom tier of that, the younger side of that, but you Doing get it. my best. <laughs> um, yeah. And we need to, uh, we need to make sure everyone is actively wanting to trade magic for fact. Right. Um, you think about a song like WMA humans are not racist by birth. They are taught to be hateful. And the more you experience, the more people learn about others and other cultures, the better they are at being human beings. Biases and prejudices become words of history when the future is learned. So to to get the generation that you teach every single day to to learn more facets about the world at 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 a greater depth, you make them better citizens of the world. And a lot of these things you kind of prevent them from happening in the first place. Right. So for me, I mean, you think about Los Angeles where we live, we talk about homelessness in this city is not good. You can't just throw money at it because even if even well-intentioned money, there's always going to be shit that that takes it away or there's always gonna be problems. Talk about public schools in this city. You talked about trying to find a place in town to live, to get in a good school district because there are many pockets that are not good. Right. It shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't be like that. So I, I would challenge the band to say, hey, we need to focus really hard on education and getting parents and, and teachers equally the opportunity to get their kids into a situation where they are getting what they need to be yeah. better humans. Completely agree, man. It's uh it's definitely paramount and it should be in many ways at the top of the list when it comes towards where funding needs to go uh, but again you know just throwing money and it's not always the it's answer be smart funding it has to be smart funding like everything else with our government it needs to, you know money isn't isn't the end all be all you know conservatives always think that think that liberals just want to throw money at the problem well maybe some do but some i would say smarter ones want to throw the right money that we already are spending in the right direction just exactly. redirect some of this stuff 
to smarter, more nimble causes. Anyway, let's uh, let's continue this conversation a little bit with our lyric of the week. And Paul, as I said, lyric of the week comes from ten, and it's even flow. Even flow, homelessness. Um, as previously mentioned on August 8th, Ed finally revealed what this song is truly about. It's not abstract. It's about a real homeless person, oddly enough, named Eddie, who Ed met back in those very early days. And I think the verse that we listen to here, the second verse, is a really good summation of the lesson of this story. Um, either unable or too mentally gone to know what the newspaper is for in the first line. Perhaps with little other ideas, praise to a God that has obviously never cared for him. Wouldn't a God that has heard his prayers help out his life in some way? Yeah. Uh, in the third line, you know, only thing he knows is he can feel the change in the air. He knows it will get colder as winter comes and that his life will get even harder. That's an obvious thing for anybody to feel regardless of mental situation. Um, or station in life. And then the last line here, the only time he ever gets any reprieve from the elements has a roof over his head is when the cops pick him up for loitering or just being in the wrong place. Has not anything wrong necessarily. It's just that society doesn't want to see these kinds of people. Maybe he can just disappear. And so uh, he comes back briefly. He's gone for a little while, comes back. But ultimately, um, it goes out on tour again. When he comes back again, he's gone for good, as is told by Eddie. Um, and you can see why this might be hard, a hard story for him to tell other people because he is an empathetic and sympathetic person. Right. You know, Ed has told us his troubles with Bills living in, on his own in San Diego area, nearly homeless at points in his life himself. I mean, hell, even feeding, even feeling homeless in the figurative sense, no real father mom and brother back in Chicago, you know, only just found out what he hopes to be a family and his new bandmates at the time of writing these lyrics. Right. And all this is just too close to home for Ed. So I can understand why he took 28 years, whatever it was to tell the story. So for Pearl Jam to help raise $11 million on these two shows to combat the homelessness problem in Seattle is beyond admirable. It's, it's enviable as we have talked about our own city. You know, and can they can they come do it down here? Can they go to Chicago and Detroit and San Diego and San Francisco and Miami and New York and the list goes on and on and on? I don't know, but I mean, you you tell me where does where does a story like this take us in this country? Well, you know, you talk about empathy. I largely take the same way home every day from work, and there is uh, an older gentleman that I frequently pass by who's homeless. And at uh, one time I, I had an apple that I didn't get to from my lunch. I know cliche, right? <laughs> but, uh, I, uh, I offered it to him and he wouldn't take it. Uh, he's got this sign. It says that, you know, if you get, you know, I need it. Th I think he's asking for a dollar or $10, $5. I forget what it was, but he says he'll do 20 pushups. <laughs> And, uh, and it, seriously, I, one time I, I handed him some money, he got down, he did 20 pushups and, you know, so he wants to work for it, he wants to work for it, which I respected. Um, in any case, one time I was like, you know what, I'm just going to give this guy food. So he wouldn't take the apple. And I said, so you, you will take my money, but not my food. <laughs> and the guy said, my teeth, my teeth are all messed up. I, I can't bite into it. And he was missing a bunch of teeth. And I said, oh man, I'm so sorry. And, and I, I gave him a, a dollar. Well, that was about two or three years ago. And I still see the same guy. And uh, not that times have been any easier, obviously. I mean, we've had people that have 
never been out of work in their lives that are suddenly looking for work. And so, I mean, I can only imagine how much harder it is for folks like him, but he's standing on the corner and I've noticed that he's been a lot more um, intolerant, a lot more frustrated by the situation that he's dealing with. And so I'm stopped and, uh, you know, he's going around, he's shaking his head, he's mumbling under his breath, and he's going car by car, holding it. The sign doesn't say he'll do push-ups anymore. It's just, you know, I'm hungry, help. And so he, uh, he finally, you know, starts yelling at this woman who, who was waving him off, saying, you know, no. And, uh, you know, he was mocking her for saying no and mocking all of us. Uh, and then he started just berating all of us. I mean, cursing at us, calling us every name in the book. Um, just over the top. He looked at me and he, for whatever reason, I mean, I'm looking at him and, and he didn't like the way that I, he didn't like the fact that I was looking at him. And, uh, he just made it a point to just unload on me. And he said a few things that triggered me. <laughs> so I rolled my window down and, uh, you know, we exchanged a few pleasantries and, uh, obviously not something that I, I was particularly proud of, but I mean, I, I, and I felt terrible like seconds after the fact that I, I even addressed that, not that, you know, engagement is fine, but I mean, that was not productive. You know what I mean? And it was one of those types of things where, you know, I got to go home to a family and a warm bed and I don't know where that gentleman slept. And now granted, I have made the effort in the past to, to give him money and food multiple times. Uh, and I think that's why I took it personally was here I was. And I was thinking, you know, through no fault of his own, he didn't remember me as somebody who had done that for him in the past. But in my head, I think that's part of what triggered me was there. I was sitting here saying, I, I have helped you. And now you're unloading on me. And, and I was offended by that, which I shouldn't have been. But it just goes to show you the, the, the disconnect that's happening here and why civic engagement is so necessary. It's not just let's throw money at the problem. We need to start putting empathy. We need to start putting um, practical solutions. And that starts with having conversations. Uh, there's a woman who works at the grocery store whose daughter is living underneath one of those overpasses. By choice, Jason. By hmm. choice. It's just easier. She doesn't have to pay rent. California's expensive. She gets to hang out, do drugs, just not be responsible. She's in her early 20s. How many people are like that? I've, I've been told many a time that homeless people, the struggling people on the country, they flock to LA because how much is just handed to them. And, and it's just, you, you can literally, and, and the weather is so nice here that it's almost like, it, I get it in Seattle, not really a place you want to be on the street on all the time, but here in LA, how many months out of the year it's, you know what I mean? I mean, granted it, it's not desirable in that sense, but I suppose if that's the life you're used to living, you might as well be living it in sunny LA versus freezing snowy New York. I don't know, but um, the, this has to be addressed with more seriousness because um, there are a lot of moving parts here and it is not a simple solution. And it, it really does a workable solution requires more civic engagement. And it's going to take a lot of people getting together to, to look at, the legal infrastructure, the legislative uh, infrastructure, and the system that we've created that, that ultimately has created what I think, you know, we talk about systemic racism all the time. Systemic homelessness is a real issue. And, and I, I feel like it's, it's perpetuated and created on a systemic level. And we're not really doing anything to address it. And people run campaigns on addressing it. And they just throw some money at it and say, this is what I've done. When in reality, where did your dollars go? What did, what, what did they achieve? Um, and I don't know what those solutions are. I don't know if we're supposed to just build free homes like we're seeing happening in North Hollywood right now where they're just building basically what seems like little box-sized studios and letting people well, live. Where's that happening? I haven't seen it. Oh, it's up. Uh, well, we'll talk off air. But okay. <laughs> so but the point is, though, is that is there any type of quality control happening there? Are we just handing people keys? Because are we just giving them a place to just have a roof over their heads? But if they're just going into these places and they're not taking care of themselves there and they're not getting actual help there to get on their feet or to help them address mental health issues, like, is it just a room they go and wallow in or, you know, 
I, I don't know what's, you know, they have what I'm to want to get help too. That, that, that's the other part of it. It's, it's so complicated. There's a, um, there's a building downtown somewhere. I, I don't know exactly where in LA, but I remember reading, I think it was the 2018 election here where we had a, a measure to throw a whole, like a, 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 you know, a half a cent tax or something like that. And it would fund this big, you know, facility that would basically get people, you could, you could, if you were homeless, you could go in and live there and kind of get yourself back on your feet. And, and it had some sort of like, um, I don't know if it was mental health necessarily, but sort of, sort of rehabilitation of some type. And people, they, they said people went in there, but then like the people who stayed through and like got through it to like help themselves and, and move on. Yeah. It was like 25% or 30%. Right. Because a, a number of people were just like, it's easier to live in the street. It's like, where the fuck are we as society where it's, it's, you'd rather live on the street. That's a reality. What the fuck though. is that? I, I it's, it's, how is that good? Troubling. It's not good. And, and that's, that's something that, you know, we don't really talk about is, is the fact that there's a voluntary element here. And, you know, we talk about <laughs> trying to address an issue. Well, when you have people that are, are voluntarily contributing to the issue, how do you then address it? You know what I'm saying? So it's, again, it's, it, it's, I'm not going to make light of it and pretend that there's an easy solution. I realize that there's not, but uh, it is a real situation that, that is not being taken seriously enough. And it's becoming worse because of COVID and, and the, the lack of, of uh, upward mobility due to wealth inequality and economic shutdowns and all these different types of things that we've been experiencing. The complexity of this thing is insane. Yeah. We don't have the answers, guys. We're just trying to at least put everything on a wall. There's that episode of Always Sunny where where Charlie has all that shit in the wall and he's like, this is the thing, you know? And it's like there's lines pointed everywhere and string. It's like we don't have the string just yet, but we have all the shit on the wall that says, here are all the things that contribute to this problem. What is the solution? But you know what I will say, man? I will say that we're not just sitting here talking about it either. And I'll tell you why. Um those of you listening who I don't know if next door is an app that's global, but I, I know mm-hmm. it's an app that we have here in LA. I, I don't know how prolific it is in other States and other cities, but you know, you can create a group there. And I belong to a local group that's dedicated to trying to at least discuss the homeless issue in my neighborhood. And it is amazing what I've learned about the politics mm-hmm. of it and how the politics of it has created what seems like so much bureaucratic red tape, like an insurmountable obstacle to something that on the surface you think you've created all this debris. Can we just get all that out of the way so we can deal with this more direct? So educate yourself. You brought up education earlier. Educate yourself. If if, if next door is an option for you, start a group in your area. you know, invite people on next door to join, just sit and just begin conversations with each other online. Uh, and, and somebody in your neighborhood, cause I know in my group, somebody did this, just went down and talked to these people and learned who they were, learned their stories. You know what I mean? And then it becomes a community outreach endeavor, as opposed to, you know, two sides and, and everybody looking at it like it's a problem. It really becomes more of, Hey, let's focus on solutions. So I don't think it's just here we are having a conversation and, and, but not really trying to be an active part of the solution. There is a path towards, towards community engagement and civic engagement. And that starts with just taking the initiative to look around and find out who's talking about this in my neighborhood right now. I guarantee you, everybody in your neighborhood is talking about Mm -hmm. it. So localize and centralize that somehow, and then perhaps solutions can start presenting themselves. And I think it's, well, well, and this has been a long conversation, but I think it's been it's been well worth it. And the the coda for me is, it all starts with empathy. Yeah, and I don't just mean us having empathy for them. The homeless, I I think, and maybe I'm way off here, but I would think that one of the first things is to get them to believe that you have empathy for them. Because I will bet you a number of them are so, so cynical about the rest of society around them. If I had to guess that it would be very hard for any well-meaning person like you Mm -hmm. giving out a dollar here and there, offering an apple. And over time, 
the cynicism just builds and layers like like in cakes like dirt on a on a sneaker. I know. And at a certain point, they don't even know they're wearing shoes anymore. And it it just they 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 don't believe that you could really care that you're like oh what is this a dollar what am I gonna do with a dollar inflation you, you we have to break the barrier and convincing them that we do care is the first part of the civic engagement that you speak of right and God help us because especially in this city where people are me first <laughs> um, much is the same way in, in a lot of parts of America um, I think there's a lot of overlap here between the political people, you know, swath. I think, I think a lot of conservative middle ground and liberal people, there is a ton of overlap here. We just don't want to try and find it. And that's sad. Let's go to, um, let's go to our live card of the week. And I'm just going to let this thing play because the clip we, the drop in we always use is the version of the song. That is the live cut of the week. So we'll, we'll get back to you as soon as the uh, song's over.
recall that version that we use in our drop-in music there. Where is that from? That's from the Moore Theater. Oh, yeah. We're back. Back in Seattle. <laughs> back in Seattle. Uh, an original home show, as mm-hmm. it were. Uh, vault release. I believe it was the first vault release, was it not? I believe so. Um, it's it's the video, yeah? So yeah. <laughs> what can I say, man? It's it's vintage Pearl Jam. It's, it, how do you top this? It's <laughs> Everyone's seen this a million times. Exactly. Josh. If I have to explain this, <laughs> Paul, why is this the best cut? Because it is. That's why. <laughs> I mean, Brett Eliasson, you beautiful bastard, finding the tapes and giving us a, a pristine version of this. I don't know how many, like seven or eight years ago. Whatever, how it's long so ago. good. It's, it's really, really solid. Um, even when Eddie uh, tries to get into the last, what is it? The, the last chorus, he almost gets in one bar too early. And then it's like, hey, even, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the energy of this era, 92, uh, I, I submitted to you. I go, are you going to go with drop in the park? Opens the show. Also great, man. I mean, also oh my God, great. that one's, a, that one's a crazy, but you come back to the more theater for many reasons. And there's a reason why they filmed music videos there. Um, to which obviously Eddie was not a fan of. Come on, Josh. But uh, yeah, I mean, guys, this song has been played 847 times to date. God. Thanks to our friends at both PJ Stat Tracker and Live Footsteps, always giving us the good information. Um, it's been a lot. I think I think it's number one played all time. And um, I, you know, what? I find comfort in the fact not only is the song fucking legit and. Those times when Mike goes on for like four or five minutes, just felt, uh, I can't speak, melting faces across the arena. And then in 06, when when Matt added his drum solo to the mix, it's like, musically, the song's incredible. But the fact that one of the most um, famous songs by this band is about homelessness it kind of speaks to, about the band and just in, the, in this, in this light that you would not think of a rock band in most pop acts as it were in general. So salute to the boys for that, huh? Yeah. It's, it, it's kind of crazy to think in like 1993 that this was the frat boy anthem. Yes. <laughs> How weird is that? Think man, about huh? the lyrics there, Chad. <laughs> Sigma Chi. I apologize to Sigma Chi for singling them out. You know, Insert fret here. Like, oh, yeah, you love the song. God. What's it about? Even flow, man. (laughs) It's about the even flow of beer in my mouth, bro. Anyway, (laughs) as we we start to veer off the rails here. uh, Guys, this has been a very... um, kind of a heavy episode, huh? It has been. But for for good reason. We needed one of these, man. It's been... uh, After the lovely... uh, dialogue we had with sergio and luis on guitar it, it, yeah. it was fun to kind of just get get our hands dirty again buddy yeah uh well there you go gang um please please chime in we really like to hear uh yeah. your thoughts on on these topics educate us yeah what do we like, and i don't say that facetiously i'm i'm dead yeah. serious if, if if there are things points of view um solutions recommendations proposals anything that you think can contribute to this conversation we welcome that man uh, uh, this is this it's it's an open dialogue it's a forum this is something that uh, i want to continue to talk about and learn from others about yeah and and wherever you are in the country in this world if you have stories about the homeless um if you have stories about your education system or your indigenous people's situation or in the environment at large you know, you use, use our, this show and, and our socials and let's, let's have a chat. Let's have, let's open this thing up. So it's, it's more than just music. Huh? How about that? Well, until next week, when we talk about something else, Pearl Jam related, you can tell that, no, we have, we have an idea what we're talking about next Uh, week. We have a few actually. Yeah. We Occasionally we we are the best planners in the world. (laughs) (laughs) We are the best planners in the world, but sometimes I think we're going to talk about um, the word no. Ooh, yeah, we are. I'm excited about that. The word no. That's all I'm going to say. Ooh, mysterious. Ooh, Jason, mysterious. All right, gang. Until next week, when we talk about the word no, you've been listening to The State of Love and Trust. State of Love and Trust.